Welcome to IOPD, it's Halloween kickoff show. I'm your host Ian Austin and man, we definitely have some stuff for you. And firstly, holy shit, we're here already. I've had this idea in my mind for a long time. It's not always being Halloween focused, granted, but I've had the idea of doing something like this for seven years going through various incarnations of my favourite being Wish Thanksgiving and now it's here I it's Halloween it's a fucking kickoff show guys it's amazing like ten weeks ago I would never have thought this would have happened. It was a wild pipe dream and now it's here and I am so pumped because Anytime you do a product like this or podcast or anything, you have to keep setting new goals and new goals. And when got through the first few episodes, my goal was, right, we're going to do a live episode of Halloween on Halloween. And then I start thinking, you know what? You can aim bigger. You can have a kickoff show, a main show, and a post show. And this is a frigging kickoff show. I'm so pumped. I'm so jazzed. I'm so excited that half the ideas I had for this kickoff show cannot happen because of various reasons. Because of, you know, budget restraints and time restraints and contribution restraints. But my God, we've got here and I'm so jazzed. I'm so happy. Even more happier because... I've seen the new Howie movie, and my review of that is going to be part of your kickoff show main event, man. Oh, so jazzed, so pumped, so hyped, because we're going to be watching Howie live-ish. I'll be watching it live, and hopefully you watch it live along with me, and then my semi-live recording and your live viewing can go on at the same time, because that's going live at 8pm British Standard Time. Remember, the clocks have gone back, so we've been different time but now it's 8 p.m the current time ah so jolly fun i I need to get this kickoff show going so we're gonna get this kickoff show going by me pointing out my favorite my um, howie movie i most enjoy out of always howie movies is howie six but that's not one i'm gonna be focused on today we're focusing on the original the og howie by john bargard carpenter himself one of the best directors of all time but we'll be going on to that in a second what we really have to start off with is saying thank you to everyone who's listened to this podcast so far because we and by we i mean i i use this I use the plural instead of singular a lot, but that's fine. That's cool. We're all having fun at Friday Night Shadow. And by we're all having fun, I mean I'm having fun. (laughs) I can't work out my plural or singular differentiation. That's fine. That's all good. We're all... I'm having fun. (laughs) Wow, I'm sort of stunned because I I didn't think I'd get this far, to be honest. But hey, we're here. We're going to have some fun. And (laughs) I'm going to have some fun. Duh. Sorry, I'm really good at this. This is like the coolest, coolest thing. And yeah, it's Halloween. It's literally going to be Halloween in a couple of days. And wow. <laughs> Kickoff shows, eh? I'm glad that this is probably going to be the least listened to part of all of this. This is just a hype Halloween. Halloween! Like one of the greatest horror franchises ever made. And this is the start of an annual tradition. Every year, I, and hopefully in future years, I'll have some contributors. 
I'll have my panelists, I'll have my on-the-floor contributors find out pressing issues of Halloween and what people want and what they don't want and what's ignored because all movies came out a long time ago. But every year, it's going to be focused on the Halloween movie. So this year, Halloween. Next year, Halloween 2. Year after that, Halloween 3. We're going to keep going because I believe that I can get through the new, the new milestone or one milestones. Halloween special every year. We're going to finish the goddamn franchise. And if they keep making more movies, we will keep going until we finish the entire franchise. I'm not stopping. And Friday Night Shadow's not stopping anytime soon. This is as close to revolution as you can get without having any need for revolution. And again, what I was trying to get at before I start rambling 200 listens! Holy shit! So happy. When I went to sleep last night, it was 185. I woke up, it was 200. And I, I understand. Love podcasts, that's no big deal. That's where you get in the first 10 minutes of going up. But this is Friday Night Shudder. We're starting this horror revolution from the ground up, dedicated to Lord and Master, the Shudder Horror app. This, re- this revolution started, and it will not stop until we get through all the goddamn Howie movies. That's the goal. That's the goal. I'm so jazzed. I'm not playing Red Dead Redemption. I'm recording this. That's how hyped I am. I have Spider-Man game downloadable content. I can't play. That's how hyped I am. I have Evolution WWE tomorrow evening that I'm hyped for. But this is the focus for now. High Octane's Halloween. And oh, goddamn people. We're going to have a treat because I have Halloween is the best. It's the literal best. It started with a question. Can I make my own podcast? And I did. It started with a challenge. Can I make 10 episodes? And I did. It hit up with a milestone. Can I get 200 listens? And I did. This is Friday Night Shudder. And welcome to the first ever IOPD, it's Halloween. So you're probably wondering, Steve, how's this going to work? How's this different than the normal bottle episode? And the solution's simple. This is different than the normal bottle episode because this will actually be me trying to do a proper recap while movie's going on. Essentially, I'm going to be treating it like I was actually commentating on a wrestling match or boxing match or foot match or something like that to keep you abreast of what's going on. It's not going to be mocking. There'll be jokes, I'm sure, made about the movie, but it's not going to be mocking as such because Halloween is a classic, or at least it was last time I saw it. So it's going to be a bit more straight than usual, I think, although that might change because I like to riff on stuff and like to make some jokes here and there. But it's going to be a bit more dry than usual. I think we can all agree Howling is a movie which is justifiably a classic. It's one that I really like watching. I haven't watched in a while. But no, I really enjoy. So if you're looking for me to completely destroy the movie, that's not going to happen because I don't, one, I don't want to, and two, I don't think I'll be able to. How is this going to affect future episodes of Shudder? Well, it, it won't. Really, but at the same time, episode 
8, the FNS 101, episode 9, Grave Encounters, and episode 10, Grave Encounters Part 2 of the Weekly Series, are changing slightly because this takes a lot of work to do something like this, a lot of preparation. And it is this is essentially is um our podcast version of WrestleMania in WWE or Starcade in WCW or Oh god, what's New Japan one? Shit, I can't remember what New Japan one's called, but they're January Wrestle Kingdom, that's it. Or Triple Mania and Triple A. Or Bound for Glory for TNA. So it's gonna be one of those. It's the biggest thing I do I'll do all year until December, but I'll get on that on week show. You'll find out what is going to happen in December, and if hopefully plural is going to happen. We're going to be doing in December later, but right now I'll go focus on this one. But yeah, so it's the biggest film of the year, and I'm I honest, I'm nervous as shit because this is like the the main event of this podcast, like. It's going to be a lot of work. I'm going to be knackered after it. I'm going to be very tired after it. But I think it's going to be my crowning glory. And hey, if I screw it up, like um, if I bollocks up, we screw it. I did it. And thinking this life, do or do not, there is no try. But that doesn't mean you're going to succeed. It just means just, you know, do it. Do it. And if you mess it up, then do it better next time. I will add that originally there were going to be some contributions of from friend from people in this, but I, it's kind of difficult really to include them, timing wise and all of that. So they will be saved for down the line, I think. Um, but right now, unfortunately, you have to put up me completely. I think also how in the kickoff show timing wise is. <laughs> it's a bit of a mess, but we'll get on to that. I'll get on to that on post show. But for now, I'd like to say that again, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, thanks for supporting. And trust me, you guys have seen nothing yet because it's I it's Halloween and it's time. It is time. And it's your kickoff show main event, with it, which is a review. Of the new Halloween movie, oh yes, exclusive to Friday Night Shudder, my opinion on Halloween, which is not going up on Twitter, going up on Facebook, that's friends only. This is my opinion of the new Halloween movie, with as few spoilers humanly possible. And of course, as ceremonial duties go, having this before I do a live recap of the old Halloween movie, that's logic, that's logic personified. So, my thoughts, I'm going to start by saying this movie was fucking amazing. Holy shit, guys. Wow. Uh, I'm speechless, to be honest, which is bad, because this is a podcast, you need to hear my voice. But this movie was so good. And best part, it sets up so much, and it moves a bit slowly at points, but that's just because it wants to get you... That final act, which is just utterly amazing. I I just... Wow, <laughs> so good. Like, I don't think there's any Howie movies I dislike. Howie 3, 
I don't dislike it because it's not technically a Mike Powie movie because that's Mingwell Mike Myers set for him on TV at one point. I feel like it's not a particularly good movie in general, to be honest. I enjoy it, but in a sort of not ironic way, but in that way where it's not so bad it's good, but you're kind of enjoying it despite the quality of it. I, I guess you can say that's kind of so bad it's good, but I, I don't think it's bad. I just don't care for it particularly. Uh, but, I mean, this like... The best way to describe it, it's the Creed of Halloween Saga. You know, like, where Creed feels like it could directly be following on. So, essentially, in terms of Rocky, you've got all movies which are in continuity, but ones you actually need to watch properly to understand it. Rocky 1, 2, 4, Balboa, and Creed. That's it. That's all you need. And this, essentially, this similar thing Creed, where it strips the franchise back to what it should have been all along, in some regards, which is not the supernatural nature of Mike Myers. Um, although Mike Myers is quite supernatural. I mean, how is he playing Austin Powers? But I digress. It pairs it back as far as it can do with the whole supernatural aspect. Because, look, I, I love ha the Halloween Paul Rudd. I think it's Halloween sits. I think it's um, the curse of Mike Myers, something like that. Mike Myers. With the Nazi cult and resurrection and all that. I, I loved it. It's great. But it's pretty fucking far removed from the original Halloween. And even H2O is. H2O seems like a modern... It's like a post-scream attempt to do something like this. But this is a... Oh, it's so good. The... the just... I, it's hard to explain, really, without going into spoilers, but it's so much fun. It it takes you straight back to the original with a clever use of the original theme tune. And they do some great recontextualizations of that. There's a really cool reworking of it near the end, which is just... I, I don't want to say too much, but I think it's fair to say John Carpenter's son is pretty close to being on John Carpenter's level in terms of creating scores, because that remix was perfection i i love that judy greer gets stuff to do because she hasn't often in these movies i i take the ter her terrible not not her terrible stuff because she's a really good actress but in jurassic park it seems like they're going for something and then they just stopped and thought no she's just the mum and she's just the mum in so many movies and it's irritating because she's a really 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 good actress and it's like she's been pigeonholed and, I mean, she's still playing a mum in this moving. I don't want to spoil too much, but she's given more to do than usual, which is quite cool. Uh, what can you say about Jamie Lee Curtis? Hasn't already been said. She is a wonderful actress. She's very talented. And in this movie, she gets to remind people that she is a force to be reckoned with, I think you can say. And it's weird, because they've already done the... In Howling H2O, she came back already. And that was good. That was pretty good. So it's kind of weird that they brought bring her back again. And they obviously undo the other movies, such as the original Howling. But they bring back, and she it's like she's reinvigorated. I mean, I'm not saying she wasn't good in Howling H2O. She was. She was very good. But this movie seems like... They struck something inside her, and they really pushed her to deliver... A performance that wasn't just good for a Halloween movie, but was good flat out. And trust me, she is so badass in this movie. I think all female, all main female characters are really. It's a very, 
again, don't really want to go and spoil this, but generational aspect of it, the grandmother, mother, daughter, oh, it's so good. Like, it's just such a great, great movie, in this, especially in this day and age, where you see a lot of movies with predominantly female casts, and they're chest size, like... I, I still think Ghostbusters 2016 is a really... I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good and fun, but it was hit hard because, you know, it's not most people want to go and see, unfortunately, and it's marketed terribly. But Halloween, oh, so good. I, I just... I was stunned. Like, there's, there's one shot in it, which goes on about four or five minutes, and it's one shot. And I, as soon as I saw that shot, it's, I was like, this, this is not... A silly Howling movie. This is a serious movie. But that said, it's now time to discuss a couple spoilery things. So you have officially 15 seconds and then the spoilers will begin. So do 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 do. I up D it's Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. I up D it's Halloween, Silver Shamrock. I up D it's Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. I up D it's Halloween, Silver Shamrock. So spoilers gonna go on for the next two minutes, just so you're aware. So this movie, I think, kind of a few comic critiques about it. Um, I I think the fact that Donald Pleasance has passed away means they had to swap some of the stuff he would do to new character. Not a lot of it because Loomis was never gonna be evil per se but the new character does feel he takes on very Loomis approach as represented by uh, Laurie saying at one point oh you're in new Loomis I mean obviously there's some twists on that because like I said Loomis wasn't evil they go down that route they they toy do toy with the idea that Michael's supernatural because the amount of punishment he takes in this movie goes beyond power a bit but again they kind of there are points where you could justifiably say, not really, you know, there's enough leeway. The um, two podcasters who bite it quite early on, I feel like they're leading to the story, but then they get dumped quite quickly. And one way I like that, because it feels sort of like telling us, no, it's going to be a standard Halloween story. But on the other hand, there's a lot more mileage you can get. And also, as a podcast myself, I feel like, oh my God, are you saying all horror podcasters would be murdered instantly? If Mike Myers was real, which probably would, but I mean, you know, it's a bit half. And the ending, um, again, ties in supernatural parts a bit more and suggests that they could make more movies. And to be honest, I don't think they should. I think this should be one and done because despite the ending heavily hinting that Mike Myers is properly, properly supernatural and his continuity he was in the old and personification of evil. I don't want to see more Halloween movies. I feel like this was the perfect way to end it. And you could do more, but you shouldn't really. I mean, it's a bit like when I saw the trailer for Happy Death Day 2, and I was like, oh my God, this literally looks like the exact same movie over again. And you don't want that. Like, how this movie was great as a standalone finale to the entire series, but it's made so much money, and I think they will do more movies, which is a shame. Uh, other actors, I thought Weird Pattern in movies is always great. He's such a good actor. Such a clever performance, clever callback to the original one. Although I can't, I, I'll have to, when recap the, the um, Howie movie for live show, I'll have to try and remember if Hawkins was in the original because it seems like it, he would be, but I don't remember a cat named Hawkins there. 
I also like the fact that they um, didn't include a recontextualization for the ending of the original movie because, as John Carpenter puts it, it doesn't matter. This movie starts quite pacely and, you know, feels like it moves at a quick pace. And slowing things down to have that ending scene redone doesn't really seem worth it. But all in all, I think Dan McBride and um, David Gordon Green deserve a fucking commendation for this. They do a stunning job. Uh, great writing, great acting, stunning finale. Like that entire last part. It just, oh, it's great because Jamie Lee, Linked Hampton's getting all his press for returning Terminator and Jamie Lee Curtis one up her by delivering a better performance than Linked Hampton did in either Terminator movie. As well as put, putting across the action aspect quite cool. So yeah, I loved it. It's fantastic and it's got me fucking hyped to re-watch the original Halloween from IOT's Halloween. So I'd say, fuck, if you're looking for a way to end the fucking kickoff show, re recap, reviewing, in, I can't fucking wait to. I mean, it's going to take years and years and years to get to do uh, the IOT Halloween for this movie, but I fucking can't wait. It's so good. And I definitely recommend it. And now the kickoff show has ended, and it's time for your main show. Kick it away, Halloween TV commercial. Hello, and this is the first ever IOT. It's Halloween. This is in Austin, and if you didn't watch a kickoff show, then you missed out a lot. But that's okay, because this is the actual proper, truly main special main event. First ever IOT. It's Halloween with a live recap. Live-ish recap of the original Halloween. And here we go. Play feature. So if you're trying one watch along live, if you press play now, if you press play now, go for it. I, for one, I have my instant coffee, I have my black on squash, I have my cookies, and I'm ready to go. Compass International Pictures release, Halloween. Let's kick it, y'all. Miss Stuff Rackard presents. Oh, I'm so pumped. I haven't watched this in ages. That music, the pumpkin. Oh, the flashing pumpkin. And Donald Pleasant's in. Dun, dun, dun. John Carpenter's Halloween. It should say John Carpenter slash Deborah Hughes Halloween, considering she wrote all of the female dialogue. But that's okay. Deborah Hughes production. There you go. I'm so happy, guys. This is going to be amazing. This is a dream come true. A literal dream come true for me because I have wanted to do something like this for so long and I find got nerve duke podcast and now I'm doing this. Yay. Charles Cyphers. I sorry I was inputting name for the file on my record thing. Kyle Richards, Brian Andrews. Don't know who those people are. Screenplay by the master John Carpenter. So I, I always say this about wrestling. Like that stars from the 80s come back today. If they first came around today, they'd be huge instantly. John Carpenter came around today. They would throw the keys to Marvel Universe at him. He is the fucking best. Music by John Carpenter. And the pumpkin, the happy pumpkin. And Cool Lusby. What an awesome name from associate producer. Cool Lusby. With a K, no less. Uh. And Tom Wallace, who I believe Tommy from Friday Fame was named after. I think. I'm not sure if that's true, but I think so. And if you think so, that's truth enough. 
Oh man, I'm so pumped. This is one of my favourite horror movies, but I haven't seen it in ages. So, Haddonfield, Illinois. Fuck yeah. Shermer Oaks can go fuck it, safe. Halloween night, 1963. 55 years ago, almost. As of Tuesday, 5th... Wednesday, 55 years ago as of Wednesday. That classic opening shot. I mean, definitely wonder, why was, why was the kid outside the house staff with? I mean, it's a really awesome shot, don't get me wrong, but he's walking up through the house, and he's looking through the windows. Why is the outside staff with? It, I, I never figured that, I never knew why. But we get that awesome shot for the pumpkin. That's what corrupted young Michael Myers. Instantly, I'm assuming that's what seen movie for. So we get some petting on the sofa. Some teenage petting. That guy does not look like a teenager. But he does look like an arsehole. He's fucking about with a clown mask. But she seems into it, so that's okay. Consent's important. It always was, but it's especially important in this day and age. Like, don't be an arsehole, guys. If she says no, she says no. That classic opening shot. Ah, oh, John Carpenter in his prime. So light goes off outside, and we're inside, and we're outside. So the kid... I know it's meant to be a twist. I assume, like so, I assume you've all seen this movie before. So outside house, he's trying to find a way inside. I say try and find a way. He lives there, he should know. And back door's open. This kid's very prepared. He left back door open and no one noticed. That classic twinkly music. Oh, lights come on. Must be a very short light switch if he could get to it. And, oh, looking for a weapon of some kind. A, a knife! The Mike Myers knife. He's creeping. He's creeping past the two candles. It, two candles. Before they... When they change timeline, it's one candle, by the way. Yeah. One candle had them filled in the house. So he sees a rocking chair. Who has a rocking chair in this day and age? In the 60s, maybe. But even then, it wasn't a huge thing, was it? This is a really weird-looking house. I mean, they're going for a suburban niceness, but it's very strange. Oh, man, that was some quick sets. The guy's already come downstairs, the 25-year-old. He's leaving, so like, I'm done, I'm good. But kid, it took him, like, 90 seconds to get in the house at most. That's being generous. I, I'd be disappointed if I was the woman upstairs. And creeping upstairs. I love how this doesn't... See, not a lot in theory happens in this opening scene. But it's the tension and the dragging out that really works. Because it's very clever. It's something a directory comes out with. It's like... I remember a story David Cronenberg told Writer of Spiders. Writer of Spiders. So like, this is a very short script. And Cronenberg said, well, we'll make it long. Like, a good director can make stuff... Drag stuff out a bit. But still make it work. Because what's written isn't necessarily exactly how it comes across on screen anyway. And the woman sat naked, brushing her hair. And, oh, not naked, she's wearing some panties. And she's just had sex, and she's brushing her hair, and she looks kind of calm at ease. Oh, no, she's seen Michael. No! I should put subtitles on. And stab, 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 stab. Oh, that's nasty. What nasty little boy Michael is. Yeah, nasty little piece of work, Michael. By the way, I'm watching DVD version, and 
it's not letting me change the subtitles. Hmm. So if you watch this on Shadow If You're Lucky Enough to Live in America, you probably have the option of subtitles. I bought a DVD version which doesn't have any subtitles apparently. And Michael's watching parents come up to the house and he's holding a knife and he looks very confused. He was wearing a clown outfit and they don't seem very concerned that his knife is dripping blood. Oh, it's starting to sink in. Ooh, Not very good parents. And also, I don't know if you've ever seen parents again. As far as I know, this is it. They're here once and that's... They're done after that. They don't seem very concerned that Mike Myers is stood outside. Little Mike Myers stood outside with a knife dripping blood. Oh, Smith's Grove, Illinois. 19... I assume it's saying 1977. Oh, 1978. October 30th, 1978, to be precise. That's almost 40 years ago, exactly. We see a car driving down the road. The headlights blaring, lightning storms. John Carter, I mean, this is very much like fog. John Carter's really good atmosphere. And it's Pleasance. It's Donald Pleasance as Loomis, one of my favourite horror performances ever. He's talking to the nurse, doesn't look happy. Loomis is never happy. He's driving up to the Institute, Illinois State Hospital, where Mike Myers is being kept. It's rainy as shit. And she's driving while smoking. Not very good. But I always got the impression I'd love to have seen prequel about Loomis as a kid, because I imagine he was a proper, proper bastard. I mean, some stories I've heard about Donald Pleasance. He's a proper, proper bastard, you know? But it's that voice, it's one thing that Hollywood kind of, it's kind of stereotypical. They assume that all English people sound smart. And that's a lie, because we're not all smart. But Donald Pleasance sounds like a fucking legend. It's an awesome voice who will carry you quite far in life. I must say it sounds slightly like Daffy Duck, or Donald Duck. But I've made it work for me, so, you know, <laughs> in theory, you might disagree. Loomis is great because you really need a heavyweight actor to pull the role off. But at the same time, he doesn't really have character arc. He's just literally turned people Mike Myers is fucking devil. And that's it. Which is wonderful, but also amusing. You don't want none of this shit. He's not flirting with her. And they find on the side of the road a bunch of escaped patients from Illinois State Hospital. Oh shit, Loomis looks fucking pissed, scared shitless, that awesome lightning effect. He, he knows what's happening. He knows what sort of movies in, no one else does. Oh, and gates are open, holy shit, it's the night Mike Mars came home, y'all. Pleasance looks, Loomis even looks really furious. He runs to check gates, to check shit out. On the escape patient's on the roof. No! And nurse just unsays it. Like, why would you unsay that? I'd be terrified. Oh no, Mike Myers has got her! And she's trying to drive. No! Loomis is trying to make cool and she's driving, driving. No, no, Mike Myers wants that pretty hair of hair. And she's driving, driving, 
no, he's oh no, 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 he's he's disappeared. Because he is the shape. Oh no, the hand! Oh he smashed the glass! Holy shit! She's running for her life and Mike Myers jumps in the car. And there he goes! Oh Myers. And Loomis gives chase, but he can't get very far because he's very, very, very out of shape. <laughs> Loomis is freaking out, guys. Jesus. He's proper pissed. Haddonfield. Halloween, I love that transition. It's so cool. Carpenter's the man. I can't give him enough props. He's probably, probably in terms of like a run he had of the this late 70s or even mid, early 70s to late 80s, his run is beyond compare. He was the man. And as far as I'm concerned, he could coast on that shit. You make movies good as Halloween, you can coast. He had a track record that was insane and He's just the best. Uh, he's one few people I love to go up to him, shake his hand and just say thank you. Because I, I just love the guy. He's amazing. And his stories about how he just smokes weed now and plays video games. I, I love that. He's he's just, he's an inspiration to so many people. He made his money and now he can live off royalties. And here's Laurie Strode. And can we just guys point out that Jamie Lee Curtis is, a is an international treasure. Seriously good actress. This Trading Places, that Freaky Friday move she did with um, oh Lindsay Lohan. She's a wonderful actress. Like really, a physical wonder. She's really good. And uh, I'll get into. Uh, obviously, you've seen the new How Interview I've done, but she's beyond brilliant in that. Such good actress. And nice seeing that she's getting career resurgence because she retired on her own terms and that's great. But I love that you can come in Hollywood. It's for a few businesses. You can unretire and people aren't arseholes to you. In wrestling, fans are smug dickheads. When you retire and come back, they treat you, they treat people like a piece of shit. It's like, if you're able to do it, who cares? Like, it's not a big deal. People in actual life retire and then still work. You know, what's the issue? It's stupid. And now this kid's Billy, I think. And Laurie Strode is walking to an old house. Because she's fearless. And her dad's a real estate agent, which is really cool. I like that. So it adds a bit of context to it. Oh, shit. Mike Myers is there. It's the old Myers place. It's a barn. Little Billy says it's a haunted house because little Billy's a moron. This isn't it, you little brat. This is Halloween. The clowns in this uh, metaphorical. I love the scenes now where Shape is just stalking her and love the implication in this movie. There's no reason for it at all. And it's just so. It's I won't say realistic, but it's grounding reality. Like. The idea that someone could be following you for no reason. It does happen in real life. 
And Loomis has just gone to the cops and they're telling him that he's an idiot and that they're not going to listen to him. You always listen to a posh British guy like Loomis. Dude's literally named after a character from Psycho. Why would you not listen to this man? It's very British man. But clearly they're not listening to him because he's rambling like a psycho psychopath. But I mean, he's not wrong. Also, where did you get car from? They stole your Mike Myers stole your car and got in town. And you've not only got a car, you've parked in the handicap section. I never noticed that before. Loomis, you asshole, you absolute asshole. What is your handicap? You were running two seconds ago. Jeez, what an asshole. Um this actually I love this shot. It's um, seen even because it's um, a margin it follows. And I love when you make a really good horror movie and then four, almost four decades later make another really good horror movie and you can sort of like homage a shot but it works in confines of your movie. Don't homage for the sake of it. It has to fit into your actual movie. Just so I didn't, we never really see a good glimpse of Mike Myers at this point. It's only far away. And Laurie would just disregard it because like, it's just... Weird. She looks back, he's still there. But I mean, it's Halloween, so. And what Laurie's saying here about fate um, is a natural element. It's tied to the movie, it's, it's theme. And sometimes in movies, it really annoys me when they conveniently do a class related to what's going on in the movie because that's not how life works. But then again, I'm thinking, the reason they do it is because if they just had an unrelated class, what would scene have to do with anything? You know, you've got to tie in themes somehow. I love the shot of the fences here because I remember when I was at school, we got chicken wire fences like that. And it's so strange because it makes it feel like prison. Like, we played football in tennis court with chicken wire fences on concrete. And it feels like you're in prison. It's such a weird thing. I mean, school wasn't great, but... Here you get some very 1970s bullies. They're just like one from Star Trek who bullies Spock. And they're worst bullies ever. It's like, oh, look at you, look at you, you got hair. It's like, you are ludicrously shite bullies. And you broke Billy's pumpkin, you douchebags. I remember first watching this, I think it's Billy going to team up. Mike. oh shit! And then I, I stop one of the kids and gives him a look and kid runs off. And I, oh man, the one shots in this are great because they feel, um, they're so well done. They don't feel like proper show-off shots. It's just, you know, showing you that Mike Myers is stalking these kids and people for no reason, seemingly. But also how clever it is, just like the shot in foreground, you've got, you have Mike Sengo, you don't have him more. And in background, you have the kid. And see, Mike Myers has still got the Illinois State Hospital car. Wouldn't they be looking for like that car? Now we get him driving while following kid. And a lot of people could call this filler, but I call it re amp up tension. This first act doesn't, in theory, you can say Loomis is the first character, but doesn't have a lot of plot. It's just Loomis trying to let people know about Michael and Michael following people around. He seems to a degree be picking on victimised. They don't really go too much into that. Sorry, I'm having coffee. That's so good. And this kid's actually really good because he's being asked to walk for a long period of time. And this is a long scene. That's very specific cues to hit. 
No miss making calls to Haddonfield and ignoring him again. I mean, can't blame him, really. Loomis is... The joy of this is Loomis acts like this supernatural and no one else in the movie does. Like, to them it's like someone escaped with a big deal. Nowadays, like, we have a few instances like this recently. Someone escaped from psychiatric hospital. Shit gets real serious really fast. They call F1 out and get them. Loomis has found the original car. He's trained good by back home. No, he's found a garage. He's found a garage car. With Mike stolen some clothes. And he knows this guy's dead. Oh, Loomis finds rabbit in red lounge thing. He goes running. Oh shit, there's a body nearby. Oh, his cooking's amazing, guys. So good. Lauren Frank walking down the hallway. Again, it's a one shot. It's a great perception, the scene. Because you have to give the actors props because they're hitting the cues quickly and cleanly. And got ticks on sale for the hands full dance. Which won't come in play. There's a nice bit of background. And of course, this is playing the trope of the final horror game. You've got the... Uh, I, I, I hate saying this, because like, obviously back then it was considered if you smoked and wore green, you were losing easy. Now, at least it's not really true, because lots of people vape. And I don't think many people vape it that easy. I like the colour scheme, though. You've sort of got pale colours, orange and green. So it's like progression from like fade. I, I suppose in terms of this context, Chase. Mike Myers do following them round. I love how Laurie gets sense of this, of who he is. It's like music is meant to symbolize the warning her head of him. Very cool trope. It's very creepy. Because this could just, at the moment, there's nothing supernatural. This could just be enough horror movie. Shit, the car stopped because one of the teenagers at um, Laurie's with me to quip. I love that movie never answers how Mike Myers can drive a car, by the way. It's just, he, he just does. He's just a force of nature, I guess. And Laurie takes Annie off and says she'll get them in trouble. They hate Mike because they have no sense of humor. Hey, he created Austin Powers and he was the main character in Shrek. You show off Mike Myers a bit of respect. He's also really good in Glorious Bastards. He has sense of humor when he's made movies. Outside of them, as we found out with that weird script that he sold and then refused to make and got sued over. He's got issues, but... God, I love this music. 
and love this setting. It's so unmanufactured, which is strange because they did manufacture fair bits. They did shoot Halloween. They shot in different time of years. They had to paint the la paint the leaves brown or something, and spread them out. It's great. It really is such a it's a great location shot movie because it feels like a real place. And also, love differences. Laurie's got loads of books. Annie's got a couple. And I can't remember the other character's name. I'll call Betty Sue, who's got no books. And it's kind of a nice visual thing. And there's Mike Myers just chilling out again, wearing mask. And then he goes find some hedges and disappears. He's in bush. And Annie runs up to give Mike peace of her mind. Laurie looks really terrified. And Mike's gone. See, you can't frame that as being entirely supernatural because plenty of places that he could have gone. And Annie's pretending Mike's still there. And Laurie... When she's told that Mike wants to take her out tonight, she moves quickly. Like, what, do you want a date night and creepy mask? Fair enough. And he's not there. But she can still hear music. Oh, Laurie's a spinster. God, this is such a good movie. And it's great, because we're really setting up that big Laurie-Michael fight. You know? you got to slowly beat that up that's like main this movie michael's got to go through some of these other guy other characters because he can't chat you can't challenge champ straight away you know you got to work up to that you got to cut some promos you got to get in zone and laurie's looking around to see where mike is you know he's chicken because mike's a chicken shit hill oh and she runs into officer man officer bracken who's trying to keep law and order, and he's still like, no, 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 my daughter is one of your friends, Larry. You'll show me some respect, and I'll try not to stare at your ass." And walks off. He's just randomly patrolling. I have to assume that, because they don't give the impression he's looking for Michael, but I guess Laurie lifts next door to Annie Bracken. So, you know. Cool. Oh, Laurie walks up to the house and she sees... Oh, she doesn't see anything. Actually, no, she sees a car and thinks it looks similar to the car from before, but, you know, she can't quite place it. Oh, no, she doesn't. She sees oh, a bunch of trick-or-treaters. Oh, they look adorable. Those adorable trick-or-treaters. I hate Halloween, by the way. Well, I used to. I don't hate it anymore. Like, not movie franchise, the holiday. I don't like begging. Like... I never liked it when I was younger, and I certainly don't like it now. And I have a job and a fucking podcast, and like it's it's beneath me. I also don't like people who leave all the goddamn windows out while they're home all day. What if someone broke in, Laurie? What if someone broke in? What would James Ensor think? And she looks outside, and Mike Myers is hanging around the washing, and then he's gone. Wow. Okay. And Laurie's freaked out. You know, she's thinking, my God, they might make 10 sequels. They might ask me to come back to this franchise in four decades. And her phone rings. And James Ensor on wall looks very unproving. 
disproving. His eyes follow you wherever you go. I'm looking right, he's there. I'm looking left, he's there. Laurie's phone rings and she answers. And there's no one on the other end. It's Mike Myers. He, he's outside on a port on a one of those um, phone box things. She answers again. And Annie, it's Annie, and she's like, why'd you hang up on me? It's like, could you say anything, Annie? You just breathed heavily and went, <laughs> like, maybe if you said something, she wouldn't have hung up on you. Nope. Laurie thinks she's losing it. Because, you know, why wouldn't she think she's losing it? God, I love this movie. Laurie goes to lie down on bed. And this tense racking corner next to oh an inflatable heart. Oh, I think Laurie's got a suitor. Will we meet him in this movie? Well, if we do, he's probably gonna die. Woman exits her her A woman exits her Laurie exits her house carrying pumpkin. I guess it's one of the place one feed lost earlier. As John Carpenter and Deborah here sat in trees throwing leaves down at her. She almost falls over, but it's okay. Twinkly music plays as she's going for a bit of a walk. I love how not much has happened in the movie, but they're really setting scene intention. Laurie sits on a wall and just chews out. She's happy again. Really happy. Looking at all kids across the street who are going trick-or-treating. Now she's not so happy. She's slightly concerned. Or maybe she's um, brooding. She's more kids going trick-or-treating. She's not happy. And the car can... Oh, no, no, it's not the same car. It's one of her friend's car. It's either Betty or Annie Sue. Shouldn't be Annie, given Annie lives like two minutes away. But as we saw in... Um, oh shit, what's that rubbish? Blank check, you know. You can live round block from... You can live down road from your dad. And you'll still drive the fucking car. So it's Annie Bracken's car. And Annie passes Laurie a joint. Oh no. And who are these assholes? Oh, it's Loomis and a random man in the graveyard. Loomis is like, I want to see the grave. And the man's like, this is highly inappropriate. But Loomis is like, I need to, I need to. And you no, know he's dead. And they're like, Michael's not dead. And Loomis is like, no, no, the rest of his fucking family. This must be why um, the uh, Myers aren't in the rest of the movies, because they're dead. They're dead, Ian. They're dead. They've always been dead. It's a convenient way to get out of including them in any potential sequels. Oh, and the man gives us exposition, or gives Loomis exposition. You moron. Loomis is a esteemed therapist or psychiatrist or therapist, or I don't know. Psychotherapist, whatever. I think he knows the bat story. Oh no, the the graves, they're gone. Someone's dug the bodies up. My God. It's worse than Loomis could have ever imagined. It's so bad. So bad, I have to turn my heating on. I'll be back in a second. The monster, Mike. The grave digger's like, well, we have a long neck of hill out in here, Mr. Loomis. But Loomis knows the truth. Michael Myers dug it up and he murdered a dog too. And he ate the dog. 
He ate the dog. He fucking ate a dog, yo. Not hot dog, just a dog. Oh shit, Mike Myers on their it's on their trail. It's time for a car chase. But they've been smoking weed. How can you oh how can you drive and smoke weed? Oh my god. These two Oh man. And Mike Myers learned driving in a day. In a day he learned drive. These two are in trouble. This is going to outrival the car chase from Bullet, I know it. Laurie doesn't like oh man. She's she's getting she's getting the weed vapors. Oh she's oh she's struggling. Oh no, no, they found her sheriff father. No, dump the weed. Dump the weed, Laurie. And Michael stops. He wants nothing to do with cops. You know, he's got to, he's got to build up to that. And they find Annie's father on the sidewalk and a bunch of assholes and just staring at a hardware store. And her dad walks over and... Alarm blares. What happened? Someone broke into a hardware store and stole some shit. Oh, no. I don't think it could have been Michael. I think my star knife. I don't know why they'd have knife in a hardware store, but it's my hunch. No, probably star shovel. But, wait. Is the implication that Mike Myers stole a shovel dig up grave? Because that alarm's been going off for ages and no one's turned it off. And also, he's dug up grave... And Loomis got to the grave, and Loomis came back here before Michael. Well, I don't know if that timeline makes sense. Anyway, Loomis finds the sheriff and having a chat. And the sheriff says, I'll, I'll be back in 10 minutes, you crazy old bastard. I know what he did in that psychiatric hospital. Oh shit, and Mike Myers drives past Loomis. And Loomis doesn't see him. Loomis, you asshole! You could stop this there and then. So Annie and Laurie are driving back home. They're really doing a great job setting these storylines up. I feel like Laurie's personal growth storyline and Mike Myers, when they finally meet in main event, oh man, this this is pure hype. This is this is this is how you do a show long storyline. It really, or move along storyline. You know, I really want to see these two fight, but they don't want to let it happen just yet. Go happen at just the right moment. And getting all these little mini storylines like Annie not wanting to show her dad the weed, her father investigating random shit, Michael's course, Michael creating distractions, Loomis versus Michael, Michael digging up some bodies and doing stuff with them. Wow, I mean, like, this, oh, this is perfection. Although I think Laurie and um, Annie, I think these two, their chemistry's not quite what it should be, I have to say. Anyway, Michael's pursuing them in car. Michael is, of course, a master at driving now. He's learning the day. What is learning the day? He's pursuing them, and they're not realising he's pursuing them, despite Laurie's sent radar sense or spice fence going off critically earlier. And he follows them home. And he stops just shy. I don't know what it says about Hanfield that Michael blends in so easily to the place. I mean, he's not exactly inconspicuous, is he? Laurie goes into the house and Annie keeps driving and Michael drives near her. Oh shit, Annie, no. 
Anya, you're okay. I don't think she's okay, guys, but we'll check in that later on. And no, Michael isn't driving after. He stopped outside Laurie's house and turned lights off and out car he gets. Now, I love Michael's gimmick, by the way. Jumpsuit and mask. That's it. That's very clever. He blends in for, he blends in for these people, but at the same time, he really doesn't because he's a six-foot-six man going fucking trick-or-treating. And what's he meant to be dressed as? He's wearing a William Shatner mask and a jumpsuit. It's a great look. But it doesn't really scream main eventer, does it? I mean, it later would, but he has to work up to that because he has to show us that he's worth of being in main bank. Because right now we haven't, Seth Wing is kid, he hasn't done shit. And if you got, and it's been 15 years, so he ain't done shit in 15 years. Michael, you want to be a top guy, you have to do something. You can't just follow people around all day. I mean, Laurie's the champ. You know, you want to take the title, you got to beat Big Dog. You know what I'm saying? Loomis um, and the cop Bracken go to the Myers residence, or Old Myers residence, because they think Mike Myers might be chilling out inside. I don't know why you'd think that, but okay. They're investigating. They climb upstairs slowly, slowly. No, no, they don't. They decide not to. You got some shit to do downstairs. It's like a point and click game. Can't go upstairs to go. You floor downstairs properly. <laughs> they find um. I guess maybe a dog. Loomis tears and Bracken, Officer Bracken, this is no man. It's no man. This is no moon. It's a Death Star or a slasher icon in this case. They're up the stairs and Loomis is looming. Loomis likes to loom. I've noticed that. I bet he also likes fruit of loom. They walk towards one of the bedrooms and I love this shit. I love cop dramas and stuff and it's all boiled up and there's nothing there no there's a window that means when Laurie's there earlier Michael was also there and Billy oh wow so literally first people he saw he bonded to oh shit the glass is smashed Loomis is a gun. And he has a permit. Wouldn't you be worried, like, the doctor with a gun has his permit out all times? Because if he shoots someone, it's still murder. Like, if you have a permit and you shoot someone, it's still going to be investigated. You won't be arrested for having a gun, but you'll probably be arrested for shooting and killing someone. So, oh, here we get this amazing monologue. I'm just going to listen. That's all right. Love that monologue. 
Loomis decides to wait in the Myers house for Michael. And that monologue's great, by the way. It's really, really simple, but really, really effective at the same time. At point out that they're not dealing with something that conventional police can deal with. Loomis doesn't even think he can deal with it. He tried to contain it, but he couldn't. And now the only option is to kill it. Laurie's teaching Billy how to read by reading. I don't know. Billy's a little brat. I mean, it's good acting performance. He's a, he's a cool kid. So he he wants to be read comic books. Oh, read him the episode. Read him the issue of Captain Marvel where she's impregnated by her own son. That's a great one. Or or how about when the fucking Scarlet Witch marries Vision, robot marrying witch. Or or or, or how about one where Ant Man beats his wife? That's a classic one, Laurie. Read the kid that comic. Who love that? You guys don't know strange comic book gets. Oh. Ming announcement. At some point next year, I'm going to be doing a comic book podcast. So, yeah. there you go. The dog's barking at Michael anyway. Or maybe my announcement now I'm going to be doing a comic book podcast next year. He's sort of like, you know, don't do that shit. Um, so, Laurie's on phone Vanny, and Annie's turned dog shut the fuck up, and dog's not. And there's a kid, in, a little kid in the back who Annie's babysitting who's watching horror movies. And dog's losing shit and Annie's getting really pissed off. Annie, you should listen to that dog. He's wise. Wise beyond his years. Oh, apparently Laurie's going to do homecoming dance. See, that paid off from earlier. But who's going to take her? Oh, wow. Some... Mr. No, not Mr. Train, the student named Trainer, apparently. Laurie said, Annie said to him, oh, Laurie wants to ban you, finger ban you. And Trainer's like, yay. Billy looks out the window and he sees, oh, that's an awesome shot. Michael Myers hanging outside our house, lit in darkness, or in shadow, I suppose you can say, just looming there. That's some creepy-ass shit. Billy tries to get Laurie to look at window, but Laurie suddenly has forgot, got amnesia and remember, doesn't remember anything about Michael Myers. Oh, no, now she does. She looks, and there's nothing there. That's such a cool shot. This movie's an example of how simple it's not bad when it comes to horror movies. Laurie's on phone twirling her hair, and Billy can't see Michael anymore because Michael is looming outside Annie's house. Oh, that's... He's looking right inside, and she's paying no attention. So she can't see him. So I'm not going to lose him. She's not looking at Michael. He doesn't... He exists and doesn't exist at the same time. And he drops some shit on her clothes, so she takes off her top. And then her top, again, she's wearing no bra, but she's got back to the camera, and she's taking off her trousers, and she's just in her panties and knee-high socks, and she puts a shirt on. You know, you got to recap this movie succinctly as possible she's not going out tonight she's wearing, now wearing an old shirt and Mike Myers smashes a flower pot because he's not happy you know, she's just taking off clothes for no reason he's like that's not what I signed up for I'm a serious competitor and now he's looking outside from a different direction you know, Mike Myers realises you know, if he wants to face the champ he has to go through <laughs> these guys first and there's a dog there's a dog outside 
And now he's shouting at Lindsay. And dog, it's the dog first one going to go off Michael. Holy shit. They're giving Michael an easy match to start off with. They really want this guy to be champ. And Mike is... The dog's dead. And it droops. And oh shit. No. RKO. Oh, there's a shout out and a half. Awesome ways, Citizen King. I'm not a huge fan, but I re respect the um, cinematic importance. I love the name Winchester Pictures, by the way. It's really cool. And Had Hortz is awesome. He's um, one of John Carpenter's inspirations, in point of fact. And it's the thing. Oh, man. That's, I'm, that is one of the future movies I'm going to be doing as a bottle episode, by the way. I fucking love the thing. And my brother does too, so you know, made down the line, you'll be able to get an Austin and Austin, a bit like Marley Marley, you know, production. But hey, maybe, maybe not, we'll see what happens. It's a great fucking move, though. Both of them, actually, all three of them. I, I even like prequel, um, the recent prequel with, um, shit, Mary, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Winstead, Mary Winstead, Mary Win, Mary Winstead, yeah. It's really good. I mean, it's not great. It's not as good as the original, but it's a pretty decent horror movie in its own regard. CGI is a bit annoying, but at this point, I'm like, it doesn't mean a movie's bad just because that's bad CGI. Like, we all grew up watching movies fucking terrible CGI, and some of them were pretty good. Like, the original Peace Dragon is awful CGI, but it's really fun to watch. And new one's great CGI, but it's a slog to get through, so... And Annie's going looking for the dog. Now, I love that they're doing these mini feuds, like Michael versus Annie, Michael versus the dog. So Annie re-enters, and she's trying to do some washing. Why would you have the washing machine so far from the house? I mean, for noise sake, granted. But, I mean, like I said, I'm going to have a fucking drying machine. I'm going to have to do washing later on. You know, I've got no dryer. I'm going to have to dry it manually. Fucking disgusting. And Michael's looming outside. Oh shit. He's he's gone up from squash matches. No, he wants he's got gotta go through the low mid card to get to Laurie. And he's not there. Annie's calling out for him, but Mike's not there. Michael's hiding. Oh, maybe Annie'll get a count out victory. She's putting clothes in dryer. Michael he's Michael's only got a short time to get back in ring, then this match is over. And he's setting things up. Door slams. Michael's coming. He's broken count technically. But he's hit gone outside again. He's reusing the decision to his advantage. And he's locked the door. And he's trapped in the in a room with Michael. It's very clever, Michael. You know, he's got a he can't allow any escape routes. This little kid should not be watching thing, by the way. Even this original early version is still really messed up and really terrifying in places. So Lindsay does want to answer the phone. She wants to watch a horror movie. She looks traumatised. And Michael's inside the room with Annie. Oh, he's creeping up on her. He's reusing psychological mind games to his advantage. And now he's gone again. She can't see him. Michael is very much in that Bray Wyatt Undertaker mind games sort of mindset. And Annie's going to break the door. Try to open another door to get outside. But she can't. It's shitting way. And she's trying to crawl out. She's trying to get out the window. Oh, and the phone's ringing. Lindsay answers. Oh, Paul's on the phone and Lindsay has cover for her. 
And Paul says, like, no, no, get me Annie. And Lindsay's like, oh, I want to watch the film. So, Annie, so Lindsay calls out Paul's on the phone and runs up to the laundry room and opens the door, which Annie, which she doesn't make mention why Annie locked it from the outside while inside. And Lindsay is um, stuck trying to get out the window with uh, we getting our shot. And Lindsay pulls her back inside. So Michael locked her in there. He wasn't in there with her. But then I saw him inside the room. He's, he's really good at mind games, is Michael. But if he wants to be a top guy, he's going to have to move past that. He's going to have to show that he can go toe-toe with the big dogs, or even little dogs in this case. And Lindsay's going, and Annie are going back to the house. Michael... He's um, taking his sweet time, you know. He, I, I don't think Michael's in proper in shape because I think if he was, he would just go straight for these two and mur- murder Lynn and at least. But he doesn't want to. He's sort of, he needs to get his groove back or keep his stamina up. Oh, shit, he's outside now again. Mike Myers technically still in the match. And he's disappeared again. Michael, you piece of shit. What, what's he doing? Michael, you're six foot eight. This woman's five foot six. You have over 150 pounds at least advantage on this woman. And you're going, and you're running away, you chicken shit. I said I was going to do a research recap of this. I'm not. I love smoothie, by the way. But I'm just, the jokes just come. And now they're watching Finn again. I love that movie. So I love all versions of the movie. I really love the um, Carpenter one best. But it's, the original's really good in a different way. It's um, a bit campy. I mean, by standards of time, it's not. But by today's standards, it's a bit campy. But it's a good movie. And it's very ominous. And something you would watch at Halloween... Or, in this case, a few days prior. Oh, by the way, I'm not doing another bottle episode for Halloween. Look, I would struggle to get next Friday's episode out, let alone, you know, another episode on top of that. And Mars is looming by the car. Oh, shit. No, I think technically, technically, he forfeits this match. I think he won his squash match but I think he lost to Annie by count out because he's been out of the ring for a long fucking time so now Annie's we get a segment with Annie Billy, Lindsay and Laurie Mike Myers is a bit of a chicken shit Steve Flatter he's got a master plan he's in, he's in that master manipulator frame of mind so we get Annie and Laurie in the kitchen eating grapes and shit and drying their hands. And they're having a really, really banal conversation. I think it's intentional, but it's still, still quite amusing. And Laurie's not happy. She's like, wait a minute, I ain't going out Mr. Trainer or student trainer or trainer boy. And Annie's like, yeah, you are. And that's the end of that conversation. And now Annie's going outside again because she doesn't want babysitting more. So because she wants to get some of that pulling. 
So she dumps Lindsay off on Laurie. And now Lindsay and Billy can watch thing. And Annie's gone back. Like, you won my count out. Why would you get back in ring and dare Michael to come back? I said, this is not, an, this is a non-sanctioned match between Michael and Annie right now. Michael lost. This like post-show shit. And Michael might get his heat back at this point, but I, he's still playing mind games, so Annie goes walking back. She can't get in the car. And she goes walking and skipping and just chilling out, basically, walking around back of the house. I think she's playing too much to Michael now. She had match one. Why'd she go back? And why'd she leave all the lights on? Oh, because she was always going to go back and nail Paul. Or get nailed by Jake, Michael. So hitting this romance thing with Annie and Paul up hard, you know, they really got to say that storyline. I'm not sure why, because it feels like payoff to that is that they're both going to be murdered by Michael. Anyway, she gets into the car and she's going to go driving and she looks because she can sense that someone's in the car because there's condensation everywhere. It's very strange. And it's Michael. Oh, shit. Post-match angle. He's got a bone throat. Michael's squeezing. Oh, Annie, come on. Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? No, she's not. Michael's got the grip on. And it's gone madna. The, cho- the choke has gone madna. Oh, man. The te- Oh, poor Annie. Oh, that's, that's not what you like to see. Post-match assault. Michael being booed by everyone. Oh, man. It's terrible. And she's dead. He's murdered Annie. And her face lands on beeper horn. And you have to give it... I mean, not that you have to give it Michael, but he's taking out one of his key competitors. He wants that title. He wants the title. Knows he has to go for Annie to get it. Through Laurie to get it, even. So he's taking out one of the best friends of Laurie's from the Haddonfield Elite. There's only two left now. There's Betty Sue and there's um Laurie. And kid, the little kids are still watching Finn. I really want to watch Finn now. And Billy. Oh, Billy's looking at Lindsay. Oh, man, I think he's he's got the idea that if he scares her, oh, he, he might fall in love and get married eventually. So Billy hides. And he calls out for Lindsay. And she's looking around scared. She doesn't know Billy's gone. And she turns. And Billy sees something out the window. He sees Michael carrying Annie. Why is he carrying her? That's pretty fucked up. And he's going back in the house with Annie. That's really messed up. They're going to play misunderstanding that that's Paul carrying Annie into the house. Oh, and Lindsay scares Billy. And they both freak out. And Billy's... Speak English, you little brat. Don't scream incoherently. And Laurie's telling Billy to chill out. Billy is convinced that Boogeyman's real. And Laurie's like, there's no Boogeyman. I'm like, Laurie, that's Michael's nickname. He's got a nickname now. He's a top... He's going to be a top guy after that. And Laurie's sick of these kids. She's just completely exasperated. And so am I. You know, you little brats. Grow up. Don't, you shouldn't be watching Finn. You should, because it's amazing. You should, because you can't handle it. 
and we're outside we're outside house and we get a tracking shot and Loomis is there Loomis is weird because he really is scaring these kids off from going to Myers house he really doesn't want this Laurie Michael match to happen and on some ways I'm like Loomis you're right among other ways Actually, not even scaring kids off. He's not doing anything so they walk up to the house. Does he want to use them as bait or... No, he calls out to get them to leave. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to give himself away. It's creepy. Those kids get their asses away from there and then smiles. Oh, shit, hand on shoulder, it's Bracken. No, this tag team. I think this tag team can take Michael down. And they have a chat about... Bracken hasn't really found much, hasn't really done anything. And Loomis is like, you asshole, get the rest of your cops on it. And Bracken's like, no. Loomis um, trying to convince Bracken that when Michael was in the institution, he stared at a wall after day 15 years, not seeing a wall, looking past the wall, seeing this night. So can Michael see the future? Why this night in particular? Where well, he needed to be old enough, but, but why? Why this precise night? Which Loomis can't explain to me or Bracken. Because there's no logic as to why this precise night, despite the fact that this is one movie set, is the night that Michael escapes. Which might be pointing he doesn't operate on logic, but at the same time, he clearly does. Michael has an internal logic of his own. So, you do have to stop and think, Loomis, are you fucking crazy? Which the answer is yes, Loomis is batshit insane. Oh and Paul oh and um, Jim Jim and Betty Sue are hanging out. Oh and they're drinking beers. They're drinking Budweiser's and he's got those hipster douchebag glasses and the mullet on. What a douchebag. Don't worry. They're drinking Budweiser's. People give Budweiser's shit because it tastes like piss. That's that's what I've got. I like Budweiser, but Budweiser, I think. When people say it's a gateway beer, I agree. But it's like, I had the gateway beer, and I've had a fair bit of beer since of different kinds. I like how generic it is. I like fruity, hoppy beers a lot, but at the same time, like, sometimes it's nice to have something that tastes Decent. I mean, I love um, Copperberg. That's very good. Anyway. Betty soon Jim bobbering the Annie's house and making out. Gonna get some pale, unenthusiastic teen sets in a second. Uh, horror movie trope. That Michael's gonna watch and probably jerk off in the background. Oh, there is Michael. Not jerking off, but he is watching. So.
I forgot how annoying these kids were. Which is on purpose. The kids are annoying. But they're irritating. And Laurie looks outside and sees no one at my residence. They're really patient in setting up this Michael Laurie thing. It's long form booking, I like it. These kids should go back, watch the thing, and shut up. They're really, really getting annoying at this point. Laurie sits down for them on the sofa. How long is this? How long's the thing, by the way? Because this seems like it's taken more time than they've shown in terms of film length. Betty Sue phones Laurie. Because apparently she's finished with Jim Bob already. And they're wondering where Annie is. And neither one of them knows. Uh, she probably stopped off someplace. That That's great, Laurie. I'm sure that's what it is. Jim Bob looks like an asshole, by the way. <laughs> you always can tell you when watching a movie that someone wearing glasses doesn't actually wear glasses because they wear them like an asshole. Oh, and Betty Sue and Jim Bob are going upstairs. It's an American thing where you have sets in your friends' houses. In, like, either the parents' bed or your friend's bed and just, like, just whatever. Because that strikes me as weird. They do realise that their friend or their friend's parents have sleep in that bed, right? They don't need your slime all over it. Jesus. On pumpkin background. And Jim Bob and Betty Sue are having really pale, unenthusiastic sex. And Paul, and no, not Paul. Jim Bob's very angry because phone keeps ringing. And he can't get, he can't get off his phone rings. I think he could, mate. You're just being lazy, shit. Phone stops ringing, and then he decides to take off hook, and they decide to go back to having a really shit set. That is so unconvincing. And Michael appears. Oh, shit. It's a handicap match. Jim Bob and Betty Sue versus Michael. Yeah, really, really trying to put over Michael's monster. But when he's already lost by countdown because he's too stupid to get back in the fucking ring. I don't know why we buy him as a threat. They're really going to have to do something in this scene so the idea that Michael is a threat to anyone. Betty Sue smoking cigarettes, so she signed her death box. Warren, Jim Bob's put on his glasses again like an arsehole. And he's smoking cigarettes, so he signed his death warrant. Inconsiderate fuckers, you've just fucked in Annie's bed. And now he's smoking cigarettes in her bed. And you get, oh, it's so, it's so arseholes. Like, she has to sleep in there. It's going to stink of cigarette smoking. It's got all your fucking discharges everywhere. Pair of arseholes. Seriously, I have no sympathy for either of these two. Well, I mean, I don't want them to die, but, like, at the same time, it's a horror movie, you know what you've done. Jim Bob is going for a piss. And he's just... Oh, he's put a shirt on, at least, so, you know, he's not... Oh, no, he's not going for piss. He's going to fill up, get some drinks, and just chilling, just walking. Michael going to pick him up, Piss them off two by two and one. 
one-on-one style. I guess this is an elimination handicap match. Michael using darkness to his advantage. Or not even using darkness to his advantage. Just asshole should put one for fucking lights on. That he doesn't. That's his own fault, you know? He finds the door open outside and he immediately just shrugs off. Thinks it's Paul. Or maybe Annie. He doesn't even lock the door, but he just shouts out, you're an asshole outside the front door. But he doesn't lock the back door. Oh, Michael gets dropped on him. Oh, shit. Oh, Michael's leveled up. Oh, he's got that. The choco's got magma. Oh, man. He's squeezing, squeezing. And pull. Oh, he lifts pull up in the air. Oh, that's sure strength. Michael, you you are. Oh, he's got a knife. Mike, no, foreign object, foreign object. DQ. Ref doesn't see it. Oh, man. He slams it into Jim Bob's chest. And Jim Bob is nailed to the wall. Oh, Michael. It, with that finishing move. Ref didn't see the foreign object, but he saw a result. Michael was just pinned. Pinned Jim Bob to the wall. That's victory number two for Michael. He's two for one at the moment. He, he murdered the dog. He lost my count out, but now he's won. So he's two victory, two clean victories. Oh, door opens and there's someone is standing doorway wearing white. Wearing a white sheet and glasses. It can only be Michael. He's really going for the mind games here. He's luring Betty Sue over to him. Michael Reed doesn't have to do the work here. This is really clever, Michael. But also at the same time, what chicken shit. You just beat Jim Bob clean and you can't fight Betty Sue on evil playing field. You got to trick her in thinking it's Jim Bob. I don't really think this says Michael is the threat it's meant to. A clever, clever man. But why would someone as tall as he is need to do these mind games? Betty Sue is pissed off because she wants a beer and she's not going to get one. Michael's really, really going full blown here. He's, I mean, it's just painting has been very clever. So, oh shit, here comes Michael. She's about to pick up the phone and call for a, a different booking. She phones Laurie as Michael's approaching her. Michael approaches. Oh, guy's got, oh, he's choking off the phone. DQ ref, DQ. He's got, oh, he's choking. Oh, man. Oh, and, and Laurie thinks it's Betty Sue making sex noises for a second until it stops being that. And, oh, man, Michael, it's got submission victory. Oh, man, Michael, this this is underhanded as fuck, Michael, but you did technically win. Although, referee, come on, referee. Michael, oh, Michael's got the phone and he's, oh, man, he's breathing. That's his equivalent for promo. He's letting Laurie know he's gone through the two members of the Haddonfield Elite. And now he's coming for her. And he was turned light on and off for some reason. I don't know if I rate Laurie's chances now. Michael is underhanded and doesn't seem to be using size strength advantage very much. But he's won two matches and he's won three matches now, two in a row. So he's three and one. Because that was a handcuff elimination match. 
And Laurie better work on her game because Michael is clever, he's tripsy, and he's strong. If he uses his cleverness or his strength or both at the same time, I don't think Laurie has a chance. Michael might be a chicken shit, but he's he's a clever boy. He's a shy boy, but he's a clever boy. But maybe if Bracken and Loomis get involved, then it might be a different story. Michael can't take on three people at the same time. He's been picking off opponents one by one so far. And Loomis is still outside Michael's house. He's not there, Loomis. Get with the plot, mate. Come on. Oh, shit. He finds, he finds the car across the street that Michael is driving. Michael's very careless. Loomis run down the street, giving first credence to the fact that he did not need a fucking handicap badge or to parking handicap parking spot. Loomis, you asshole! Oh, he finds the official use only Illinois State Hospital sign on the car and realizes Michael did not use this in an official capacity. Therefore, he's in breach of his protocol. Loomis running for something. And Laurie goes back in the house and she's... Well, no, she's already in the house. She's upstairs and she's walking downstairs now. You know, you have to wonder who's going to win, Laurie or Michael. Laurie's had no fights so far. Michael's had four and he's won three. But they've all been... Except for the... Jim, Bob, I guess. They've all been unhanded. He got... Dog did not realise it's an official Santa match. Jim, Bob... Managed to get a few blows in, but then got Nate pinned. And Betty Sue, he used mind games to get her. Laurie's outside wondering what's going on at Annie's house. Also, it's kind of annoying because Laurie doesn't know that she's about being main vent. You know, she's been tricked into this. She's been manipulated. It's not good booking. <laughs> I love wrestling and I love horror movies, so why not combine them, eh? Ah. <sighs> I apologise if sound quality is off on this, by the way. Um, with Anchor, I can put up the Anchor podcast thing. I used to put my podcast up and then send some FWS. I can do an hour at a time. I can't do more than that. So I have to record using a different program, then upload to Anchor. So if it sounds um, off in any way, I apologise. But, you know, uh, we'll see. If it doesn't work entirely, let me know um, at Friday. Friday Night Shudder, I think, at Twitter. You still go there, by the way. It's an amazing Twitter account. I post there a fair bit. Yeah, so it's um at F-R-I Night Shudder on Twitter. It's the official Twitter account for this podcast. And Laurie's gone up to Annie's house and she's ringing the doorbell. And she's thinking, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? I don't think Annie's been struck by a smooth criminal. Mike, although Michael is quite, his movements are quite smooth and he's very great. And that pump, flaming pumpkin, I love that design. Pumpkin's an American thing, I think. I never really took off over here as far as I know. Laurie's scoping out place. She's going investigating, y'all. How much of this movie have I watched this morning? 
Fair bit. Like 68 minutes, I guess. Hope you're enjoying this. I am. It's great. It's great wasting some spend a Sunday and then go on my jobs to after this. Life doesn't stop. It just gets more and more fun, doesn't it? So Laurie's in Annie's house and she's looking around. Oh, shit. I guess this main event is going to be starting in Annie's house. It's, you know, I think this might be... I think this might literally be a House of Horrors match. Or a Falls Count Anywhere match. Because I don't think it's going to end in Annie's house. So the advantage would go to Michael in that regard. Because, you know, even normal matches, he's very good at cheating. But now he can literally use anything as a weapon. But at the same time, so can Laurie. In a normal fight, I don't think she beats Michael in his mind games. But she's literally got the home field advantage because she knows this ring and this environment better than anyone. And at the same time, she knows this town. Michael hasn't been here in 15 years. That's a long time not to live somewhere. And it does change. But then again, at the same time, Michael has been preparing for this match or the equivalent thereof for 15 years so he does have a lot of ideas i'm sure as how to deal with these teenagers we've seen some of them in the early matches with the dog we broke its neck in the net i guess with um jim bob where he pinned jim bob to the wall literally and with betty sue where he used mind games in a very very strange attempt at subterfuge with the ghost costume and now he's He's luring Laurie into his trap. Laurie can't do this. She needs to figure out her own trap to lure Michael into. You know, if you are the hunted, the hunter has the advantage unless you turn the situation around. She's going Laurie's gone upstairs anyway, walking towards the room, and think we all know what's going to happen here. She's going to find one or both of the bodies. And on one hand, you can go, that's very predictable. But on the other hand, it's great because this really amped up the tension because you know what Laurie's going to find, but she has no idea. It's that thing where your audience being a head of characters isn't a bad thing in theory because it makes your audience feel smart, but also builds up the terror of this character we like doesn't know what we know. And it's going to mess with her head when she finds out. And that's fucking great. Michael has put Tombstone's Judith Myers on the bed next to Annie's dead body. That is real mind games. That's messed up. And Laurie starts to realise what she's in for. She's dealing for Master Manipulator. And that pumpkin's there too. And my... Oh, there's Jim Bob. He's hanging from the ceiling. Rocking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And there's Betty Sue. She's been stuffed in the closet. Oh, man. Michael really does have the advantage here. And Laurie's freaking fuck out. She has to leave. Laurie, you have to take count out victory. You can't beat Michael. And the darkness. After darkness comes Michael. Oh, that's an amazing shot. And he's he's messing for he's creeping up behind her and ah oh, he stabs her arm and she falls downstairs. Holy shit! You how do you learn to fall downstairs? Laurie is taking a sick bump there, and she's hurt. And Michael is going in for the key. He does want to drag this out. And Laurie oh she's up and she's trying to get outside the door shut. And Michael slowly comes after Michael. You've got to pick up the pace, mate. 
Laurie is running. She runs into the other room. Michael is still giving chase. Laurie runs in the kitchen and tries locking the door. And she's looking for a weapon. Everything's fine. No, she's trying to get outside. She's trying to open the doors, but they won't open. Because Michael's back in the shop with a bunch of furniture shit, a trident and shit. Or a pitchfork. Laurie can't get outside. She's freaking out. She wants to count out victory, but there's no countouts in this match. And also, she can't leave anyway. Laurie trying in vain. Michael trying to open the door. And Michael's inside. Oh, shit. Laurie's trapped. She's trapped in for the monster, the shape. And Laurie smashes the glass. And she opens and she pulls in the pitchfork. No, she opens the door. Laurie's running. She might, be, she can't be counting out because this falls can't anywhere. But she's run for her life, regaining her bearings. Laurie's running and screaming, begging for assistance. But who's going to assist her? No one wants to mess Michael. They've seen his track record. He's three and one. Michael's three and one. So he's not going full for this. Because that, the murder of Annie took place in and, off, in and out of ring segment. You know, that doesn't count as a victory. But Haddonfield Elite's gone and Michael's confident he can take out Laurie's own time. So he's, going, he's not going to rush this. He wants to do it properly. Laurie's got a really sore ankle and her arm is cut. But she's reaching for her keys and she can't find them. Oh, she's got bang on the door. And Michael's coming. Very slowly. Laurie's only option is if Billy and Lindsay let her in the house. But she told them not letting one in. So it's could backfire on her. Michael's still walking. He's the shape. And Laurie throws a potted plant at, potted plant at the window. And Michael's still advancing. And Billy's there. And Laurie's telling him, let him in the house. And Billy's like, what, what? And Laurie's saying, please let me in, Michael. I'm literally going to die. I don't know what it says about Laurie that she's involving kids in this, but it's fair enough. And Billy casually lets Laurie in the house and she shuts the door solidly behind her. And she's freaking out now because there's a murder on loose and, also, and he wants a heavyweight title. And phone... Oh, she is on phone's heavy breathing because it's Michael who's hacked the phone lines. And windows open. And it might be Michael. And Laurie's really freaking out. She's going near catatonic. And she's got a sewing needle. Oh, Laurie. She's using that full scan. Michael's there. Holy shit. He stabs. He misses. She stabs him in the neck with sewing needle. Oh, Michael's hurt. Michael's hurt. He did not expect that. And he falls down. And Laurie, that was great thinking. Great improvisation by Laurie there. She really stabbed that sewing needle in. And Michael, he might be down, but Laurie, you have to get the pin. If you don't pin him, an iconic shot of Laurie with a knife. That is what they book it for. Michael's down and out. Is he dead? Laurie, either pin him or make him submit. You can't just assume that he's down and out. The match only ends by pin for submission, Laurie. Him lying on the mat. This is not last man standing. It should be, but it's not. Laurie drops a knife, realising that she's used a weapon. She's become everything she hates. She's become the heel. Loomis outside. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He's given bad directions earlier. Loomis, he needs that victory of Michael. He needs to redeem himself. And here comes Bracken. 
Raccoon's the law here, and he doesn't want these matches to take place. They're they're not san they're not properly sanctioned. Loomis explained Bracken that Michael doesn't give shit if they're sanctioned or not. He still wants to have these matches. And Bracken would not have a non-sanctioned heavyweight title match on his grounds. Not by any stretch. You know, you have to sign contracts for that shit. Loomis just walking. He he really needs to get in ring. Laurie going upstairs. She's hurt, she's in bad shape, but she's managed to take Michael out, but she still hasn't scored victory, so this match is not over. She's begging for... Oh, the kid's name's Tommy, not Billy. Fuck it. Tom, she's begging Tommy and Lindsay, get out of here, run for your lives. Michael's insane, he won't stop until the match is over. And Tommy is trying to explain, Laurie, you have to pin Michael. And she's like, no, I can't. Oh, shit, Michael's coming upstairs. Oh, shit. The boogeyman! Run, kids, run! Laurie and kids run into the bedroom. No, no, Laurie locks them in the bedroom. And she's run for her life. Oh, she's going out on balcony. Laurie, you took one bump already tonight. You can't take enough. Oh, she's gone. She's tricking Michael. She's some of those mind games. She's opened balcony doors and she's shut the closet doors. So Michael thinks she's outside. Will Michael fall for it? He's been quite clever so far. This is the ultimate test of Michael's mind games. Will Michael fall for it? No, he doesn't. No, Michael. Oh, he's a clever boy, that Michael. He knows He knows exactly what he's doing in that situation. And that Laurie's tapped into his mindset. So Michael's trying to break down the closet door. Oh, he's breaking it down. He's breaking it. Oh, he's trying to break it. Laurie, make a weapon. Laurie, you have to make a weapon. Michael's not going to give up. As long as this match is up... As long as this match is on, he's going to keep going. Laurie, make a weapon. Laurie, you have to improvise. Michael is not going to go away. And Laurie's freaking out some. Michael's gone for the light. He's turned the light on. And Laurie sees a bunch of wire coat hangers and shit. And one falls down. Oh, Laurie. Oh, she's so smart. She's going to make an improvised weapon. She's going to turn into some sort of blade. And Michael's coming. Michael's... Going for her. Michael's lunging. The lights flicker off. And Laurie stabs him in the eye. Holy shit. Michael is bleeding everywhere. Bust wide open. And Laurie's got a knife. And Michael freaking out. And Laurie stabs. She stabs him right in gut. Holy shit. Foreign object. How could Michael get up off that? Well, you would ask that question. But Michael shrugged off a pin stone needle to the neck earlier. So I don't think that's going to keep Michael down. But it has put Michael at bay at last. It's given Laurie some time to think. She's got a foreign object, a knife, and Michael is falling over outside her room. But Laurie, again, you don't win until you pin him. He's not finished yet. Laurie, will you get the one, two, three and win the match? Laurie. And Laurie's just walking around him again. She, I don't think anyone explained rules of this contest to Laurie. You can't win unless you pin him. It's not last man standing match, Laurie. If it was, you would have won three, four times over, considering you've got plenty of ten counts. Laurie asks Billy and Lindsay, Tommy and Lindsay, to open doors, and then she says, get the fuck out. <laughs> you would at this point, wouldn't you? Like, how are these kids not getting this? When Laurie's fighting in heavyweight tile match, 
She doesn't need two kids at ringside that are messing things up by being distraction. You know? Get out of the ring. Fuck off. <laughs> and Laurie sat down again. Laurie. Oh my god. Do you not realise? This is not a mere man. This is the greatest threat to your heavyweight title you've ever faced. Michael sits up and looks at Laurie like, why, why don't you ping me? The kids run outside and find Loomis and they're freaking out. And they're running to a neighbour and Loomis knows. He knows the monster's in the house. But what can Loomis do against Michael? Laurie stands up and Michael stands up behind her. Laurie at this point has to know that Michael is the toughest person that she's ever faced. The only person she's ever faced. Michael creeps up behind her. Oh, Laurie moves that way. Michael's slowly creeping. Some of mine goes, oh, he's grabbed her. The chokehold. Oh, he's trying to make it go mad. No, but Laurie's fighting him off. She's hitting him with everything she's got. Loomis is there. Loomis. She pulls the mask off. Michael freaks out. No, you can see his face. Loomis with the gun. Loomis. Bang, Michael. Oh, right in the gut. Michael's being hit hard. Michael, but Michael's still standing. Put mask on. Another shot. Another. Another. Three, four, five. Michael goes over the balcony. Boom. He hits the mat. You know what? I think the match has to be called off there. Michael just fell over the balcony after being shot five times. He's been stabbed in the neck, stabbed in the gut, shot five times in fair for balcony. I think we have to call this one, folks. I think we need an ambulance from Mike Myers. Laurie asks what the fuck is going on. Loomis tells her it's over. Well, I think it is too, because you're going to need to call a fucking ambulance to carry Michael out. Jesus Christ. Loomis goes to see if Michael's still there. He looks over. Holy shit. Michael's gone. Oh my God. But I think this is over, folks. I think this match is officially ended in a no contest. Laurie clearly hasn't run. She's freaking out because she threw everything she had at Michael and nothing stuck. She's crying. Loomis is freaked the fuck out because he's just seen what Michael is capable of. That Michael can take a stone needle to the neck, a knife to the gut, five shots and four off a balcony and survive. And not only survive, he can flee. This is a bad, folks. I think this just demands a rematch, but I think we're going to have to wait a year for that. Wow. Um, I, I'm speechless, folks. This was definitely a hell of a contest, hell of a show, and really just brutal, brutal main event. My God. Michael, the amount of punishment Michael can take is stunning. And that's it. That's, I it's Halloween's main show. Thanks for watching, and I will see you guys in the kickoff show very, very soon. Ah, <sighs> so this is the I it's Halloween post show. <laughs> so the pre-show kickoff show's done, the main show's done, and this is the post show, and it's exclusive for anyone who manages to find this link. It's exclusive wherever you manage to find it. My name's Ian Austin, and holy shit, what a weird experience this was to do. What an amazing experience. What a career highlight, I guess you could say. So much of a highlight. Now I'm going to my beer fridge right now to get a beer.
because I think that's the best way to celebrate a landmark in the Friday Night Shadow podcast. And as far as I'm saying, a landmark in podcasts generally, because this is the first podcast special, and it happened with reasonably few hitches. So, wow, awesome, you know, like, I'm properly buzzed from this. I am... I thought I would mess this up more than I have, uh, except for not the best volume on the actual main one. I would completely understand that pissed a few people off. Unfortunately, Anchor, the podcast service I use, if you upload directly to them, only let you have 60 minutes at a time. Over an 86-minute main video, main podcast, it's not enough. So, um... I could have done it in sections, but the problem is you get invested in it and you kind of don't want to stop. If you get to hour mark and you have to stop and do a new video, it throws your momentum off. And for a live-ish podcast special, you really need to have the full time, you know, the full experience. The full momentum. But I would just think that next time will be different because the next one we're going to be doing... Um, more of a approach where we record it a fair bit in advance and you'll notice I'm using the plural and you might think it's an accident after my rants earlier but no it's not an accident if all goes coin plan the next one and there is going to be next one in December is I can officially announce it here a Christmas on M Street and it's going to be drumroll Focusing on Nightmare in the Street, the original. So happy. It's going to be amazing. And if it all works out, I'm going to have a couple of co-hosts for it. Yay! Pending schedules, pending times, because life gets busy, life gets manic. That's the goal. I'm more than happy to have Joey Styles this one, doing it solo. It's great. But, you know, got to move onwards and upwards. But anyway... Really need to think about how this one went. I think I did a pretty good job. I think, you know, could it have been better? Yes. Like I said, the audio was bit off in points. The pre-kickoff show was meant to have contributions, but um, my timing is awful. And it was originally only meant to be 15 minutes, and it got 21 minutes before I did contributions. So I'm very sorry about that. Some... Really lovely people, great friends of mine did send contributions in and they're not in the episode. Um, they'll I'll find somewhere to put them eventually, but for now, you know, you'll just have to imagine how great they were. So, what to discuss now? Next week's episode on Friday is going to be Grave Encounters 2. I have to figure out how to do it because normally the episode is done by this point and it's just a little bit of editing. Or at least I have all my script notes. I have nothing because this has taken so much of my focus this weekend. I've barely had time to play Red Dead Redemption. But trust me, you'll get a new episode Friday. You would, I always get a new episode Friday. No matter what state I'm in, you'll get something. It might be a bit improvised, might be a bit creative. It won't always be per se a recap of a show to show but, or a movie, but it will definitely be something. New episode every Friday. I that taking the attitude of WWE there, where come rain or shine, you'll get an episode. As for these podcast specials, I think if a couple months, I don't think I have 
I, I can't do this every month. I love doing this and it was amazing, but A, I can't do it every month because I'm knackered, I'm tired. I, I work Monday, Friday. I do this podcast during down times and then I have to live my life in addition to that, being social, doing jobs around house, shopping, and try and play computer games. And also, you know, like I said, being social and not that much time. So I can't do this every month. Maybe if I have get a patron, <laughs> you know, and enough interest, maybe down the line. But even then, there's something to be said about only doing something like this, something that takes this much hard work every couple of months. You do it all the time, it becomes old hat. In saying that, I'm definitely going to get at least one bottle episode every three weeks or so. Unless I do something like this, I'll drive it back a bit. Um, Revenge is the next more episode in November. I think that goes up in a couple of weeks. Everyone raved about Revenge, but I haven't got it on Shudder yet. It's on Shudder UK. But that's coming up. What episodes are coming up? Uh, Grave Counters 2, Eli Roth's Green Inferno, and a lot of cool stuff. I've been going through a lot of... um stuff on Shudder and I've done like a list of things I wanted to do a lot of um oh Galo 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 the um Dara Argianto Gialo the sort of operatic horror I'm going to be doing some flat Black Christmas is going to be our is Christmas episodes of course um Insidious I'm going to be doing at some point I've had conversations about possibly having someone come in and do a bot episode for the Finn, um, John Carpenter's the Finn, which definitely at some point. Of stuff, the Bay, where I would get to the Bay, the original first episode, it never was, but I have my notes somewhere flat, that will definitely be done. Um, some Shudder TV series, I think, Change Pace, maybe, yeah, maybe do like one, two episodes per episode to recap those try and catch that the void at some point as i call it garth morenes the void lovely molly i think i'll do at some point that was originally going to be an episode after honeymoon but things got mixed out a bit blair witch project 2 is on way pieces i'm definitely going to be doing pieces slugs um by the director of pieces uh it's going to be a few more mario bava ones I, I bought Zombie Flesh Eaters 2 on Blu-ray, so I'll be doing that at some point. You know, how can I not? Um, I think I'll be trying to Friday Night Shadow Limitless for Fantastic Beasts 2 Crimes of Grindelwald. Some people would say it's not horror, and it's not really. But out of all movies coming out for the rest of the year, it's probably the most horror-ish one. Uh, I'll be doing some flashback throwback stuff too, I think, at times. I've got loads of good horror movies. Um, yeah, so I've lot lot of stuff coming up this year. Please to announce the um, Christmas on Game Street one. That is going to be amazing, and it's also going to be setting up for the second annual edition, which is the Christmas on Game Street. I have a lot, a few more um, podcast specials planned for next year. I don't think it's a lot saying that there will be a Friday themed one at some point. But also, I have an idea for an annual one, which will be hopefully in March, April, March, April, which is lovingly called Slasher Mania, which is going to be the podcast version of Wrestlemania.
so that's going to be good. And I think just, I think I should stop by just giving shout out to everyone who's listened to this podcast up to this point and supported it by listening or saying, give me a comment or anything like that. It's very much appreciated. I set this up to do one episode and get definitely do one episode and I did that. And then I got five and did that. And a tenth week episode is this Friday. Great counts too. But I am fucking blown away by how far this has got in this point. There's lots more room to grow. But I remember like me and mates in Wales. We um have this thing called Wish Thanksgiving. And it varies in when we do it. But it's just sitting around watching terrible horror movies and making jokes about them. And I always thought that would be fucking cool. To do that as a podcast. But, or as a video or something. And I've done it. And holy shit. I'm just like. From nothing. To 200 listens. Like. Seriously. In this game. In this life. No one knows you. No one knows you shit. You either. You, you have to. Take it. You know. And by take it. I mean you have to. Work your ass off. And do it. Don't just say about it. Do it. And especially our generation of video creators and podcast creators and music creators and just creatives in general, we're go-get-them generation, you know. We we have the technology. And if you have technology and you have drive, you can do it. You don't need to wait for anyone to give you permission or give you an opportunity. You take the opportunity. You take it. You make your opportunity and you take it and you get out there and you bust your ass and good things happen. This is proof of that. Because I'm 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 some punk kid from Aylesbury, you know, like I have two degrees, but you know, that doesn't mean anything unless you make it mean something. So sincerely thank you to F1, thanks to friends and family and all that stuff and hey, you ain't you guys ain't seen nothing yet. So this is Ian Austin for Friday Night Shudder saying thank you sincerely. Remember, life is beautiful, and to quote the greatest broadcaster of all time, we're out of time, folks! I'll see you soon.